This is Steve Center, Lonely Guy with a Book Podcast. Today we're going to review Cat on a Hot Tin Roof by Tennessee Williams. This was released in March of 1955 as a play. Now there was also a film in 1958. It will be worth a little bit of compare contrast between the play and the, the movie. This is from my vaunted top 100 list. Two books have been submitted into the top 100 in the last couple weeks. One is The Green Mile by Stephen King, and we'll be reading that as part of the Stephen King Library. It's currently 95 on the top 100 list. It entered at 94. And then a book that I had been very resistant to rereading. I read it a long time ago. I read it again just recently and was frankly surprised at just how much I loved it and how good it was. And that was 1984 by Georgia Orwell, which moved into number 31 on the top 100. So Cat on a Hot Tin Roof is currently number 94 on the top 100 list. And The Pearl and a 100-year-old man who climbed out the window and disappeared are off the list. For those of you keeping score at home and who isn't, I just wanted to clarify those places. Who are the the vital characters, the people we need to know about? Well, Brick and Margaret, this is our main two main characters. So it's Brick and Margaret Pullet. And in the Hollywood version, they were played by Paul Newman and Elizabeth Taylor. The other characters that really catch our attention and hold it quite well are Big Daddy and Big Mama. So these are Brick's parents. And they are wealthy. And you want to think Southern Plantation time, post-Civil War, so there's no slavery, but it's still the big, wealthy tycoon. Uh, Let's look at the summary from Wikipedia. Sent in the plantation home of the Mississippi Delta, Big Daddy Pullet, a wealthy cotton tycoon. This play examines the relationships among members of Big Daddy's family, primarily between his son Brick and Maggie, the quote-unquote cat, Brick's wife. Now, if you are watching the movie, and the movie is very good, but some of the really deep themes of the play, a play written in the 50s, are completely, I don't know if left out is the right word, but they are definitely soft-pedaled and skimmed over. And the most important issue that that happens to is Brick and his best friend and their sexuality. This is going to be an LGBTQ play. Don't mistake this that there's going to be a lot of intimate scenes or anything like that. This is this is discussing what people are experiencing. This is a three-act play, and it is worth just spending a moment talking about the difference between a play and a novel. Plays are very fast and easy to read, generally. When we read a novel and there's the backdrop of what each character is thinking, especially your main characters, are able to become much more in tune with their emotions and their intentions. And in a play, it's you're just not going to have that. You have to, I mean, there may be a line or two in there from time to time, you know, saying brick is sad, brick struggling with antagonism, something like that, but it's not going to have that same depth. There are other plays in the top 100, and there's a lot about reading a play that's very desirable, not the least of which is because it's almost exclusively dialogue and staging, you know, where people are, it becomes very easy for the play to move forward at a nice pace and to tell a pretty impressive story in a sometimes in a just a very short reading the question of sexuality lgbtq 
and especially sexuality between Brick and his best friend is something that really was not discussed in 1955 when Tennessee Williams wrote this play. And now today, if there's a play and it addresses gay issues, uh, lesbian issues, whatever, then I think that fits in really well. That fits into what we might think of as the the zeitgeist of this time in this era of media, especially, again, plays on Broadway and what they're addressing. But we're talking about 1955. And so the fallout really begins when Brick's best friend is mentioned and he committed suicide after trying to be intimate with Maggie, Brick's wife, and not being able to perform. It comes out very early on that Brick and Maggie haven't been intimate in a long time and then what it all means. And in the backdrop of all this is the omnipresence of Big Daddy and Big Mama. Big Daddy is this over-the-top character, and uh, in the in the actual movie, it's played by Burl Ives, and he was amazing and really embodied what Williams was trying to accomplish. Now, one issue that comes up often is the idea of mendacity. It's just a word that gets mentioned. It's an unusual word. It's it's not one. I actually had to look it up. I was not familiar with the term. It means untruthfulness. Mendacity is just a $5 word for lying. The accusation and implication being that basically everyone in this family is lying to each other. Brick and Maggie are lying to each other. And how do you even have relationships when it's lies upon lies upon lies? How satisfying was the ending? Excellent. Much better than the movie. I I mentioned this a little bit with The Shining, but so often where I think that movies drop the ball when they're trying to encapsulate what's in a book or a play, it is by altering the ending. There was a play in the early 80s. It was very popular. The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas the Hollywood Dolly Parton, Burt Reynolds version had this very happy ending that did not match the play at all. And while it was happy, it wasn't what was really there. And in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Newman and Taylor have very good dialogue. These are amazing actors in their prime. They are doing the job, but it is just simply a watered-down version. And most of the really important themes of sexuality and gender removed from the movie. We are grown-ups, and as grown-ups, we deserve to tackle and to see how artists tackle the very difficult issues around sexuality and gender by not including that in the big screen version, they really did a disservice to the audience that was watching. What's my overall rating recommendation? Five stars, again, currently number 94 out of the top 100. What's my recommendation? The Taylor Newman movie is really good. I would not blame anybody for wanting to watch that and not bothering to read the play, but my recommendation would be read the play, then watch the movie if you're going to watch the movie at all. But read the play, because it's one of the great plays of all time. This is Steve Center, Lonely Guy with a Book.